On today's show, we'll be joined by weekly co-host Ali Khan Bijani to debunk and refute some of the negative perception that has followed Jalen Green as an empty stats bucket getter. We'll also focus on the Houston Rockets' new offensive identity and just how involved or not involved Alperin Shingun was in the Rockets' third preseason game against the Miami Heat and how the Rockets can maximize the potential of all three of Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and Alperin Shingun. All that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, where you're free and available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% in Instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Joining us now is our weekly co host, Ali Khan Bijani, the X's and O's man himself. You can follow on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider. And we're going to dive into a variety of topics today. The big one kind of being how the Rockets are currently utilizing Alperin Shingun in their offensive sets, because that seems to be one of the big talking points amongst Rockets fans after the third preseason game where we saw Alperin Shingun really kind of struggle, probably one of his worst performances in a Rockets jersey, uh, despite the fact that Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. both found a lot of offensive success. So we're going to kind of pick apart some of the things that we noticed and picked up on from that game, as well as what the Rockets are actually trying to achieve with their offense moving forward. But Ali Khan, the place that we have to start in today's episode, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Uh-oh. But Uh-oh. some of my cohorts, my colleagues from over at Locked on NBA, uh, had some takes about Jalen Green. And I will preface by saying that I love and respect these guys. They do fantastic work covering the league, covering the NBA. But it's it's just really disappointing that it feels like Jalen Green has kind of fallen victim to the, the empty stats bucket getter, not a winning player trope that seems to chase certain players around, you know, as they start their NBA careers and, and kind of follows them and lingers until said players start to actually experience winning at a decent level. Like, and a couple recent names come to mind, right? This, this same label got applied to Trey young. The same label was more recently applied. You know, Devin Booker had the same level label placed upon him until the Phoenix suns actually started kind of turning things around organizationally and experiencing a high level of success. And I hate this label because what else is Jalen Green supposed to do on the floor to impress? He he was marketed as a bucket getter coming into the NBA. He is a bucket getter, and he does that better than any other any one of his other peers at the rookie level. He doubled, actually tripled the amount of thirty point games any other rookie had last season. Other rookies, Cade Cunningham, and I think it was uh, Trey Mann had two thirty point games apiece. Jalen Green had seven of them. 
So, including his 40-point bomb. He has the ability to get a bucket whenever he wants. That is his number one skill. He is, to me, I, I've seen it enough. I've seen enough to be confident in the idea that one day he's going to lead the NBA in scoring. He's going to be able to bend an opposing defense to his will because of his scoring gravity. And the idea that kind of also accompanies this this label of being an empty calories, empty stats bucket getter is kind of like a, a negative, like selfish label, which I don't think applies to Jalen Green whatsoever. A L- lot of points last season. Rockets fans were begging for Jalen Green to take more shots, to be more aggressive in, in, in seeking out his shots offensively, to be more of a focal point within what they were trying to achieve. And, you know, he just... At some points, it was almost like he didn't want he didn't want to step on the toes of his teammates. He wanted KPJ to get you know get his reps with the ball. He didn't want to you know take away reps from you know Christian Wood or Eric Gordon. He was just trying to find his place within an offense. And so, having watched Jalen every single game of his career, summer league uh, pickup, you know, just everything that he's you know put together, his entire body of work at this point, I think the the national media has this incorrect perception of him as a player and what his future is ultimately going to be in the NBA. And all I will say, because again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, is it's not worth the energy trying to fight these labels because unfortunately for Jalen, he was drafted into a really rough situation. Rockets, worst team in the NBA. And they were the worst team again last season. Um, He wasn't afforded the opportunity of a Evan Mobley or a Scotty Barnes to be drafted into situations that are overall better because those teams are ready and competing right now. I mean, the credit to the Cleveland Cavaliers, they took a jump with Evan Mobley and they had pieces around him to kind of form this new like defensive identity under JV Bickerstaff. It was fantastic. Credit to the Cavs. They did that. The Toronto Raptors, same thing with Scotty Barnes, but Evan Mobley, Scotty, those guys are like ancillary pieces to like, you know, third, fourth best guy on their team at most. Jalen Green is the guy for this Rockets team. He is the clear-cut face of the franchise moving forward, and there is an identity forming in Houston this season. It feels like they finally got their first, like, real good offseason under their belt. They have some clear-cut direction for the franchise. They have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, or an incredibly bright future, I'll say, moving forward with all the different talent under this Rockets roof moving forward. So all I'm going to say is, for any of these takes, any takes like the one that took place on Locked NBA or any takes from any other podcast outlets, articles, whatever, random Twitter takes, just bookmark them. Just bookmark them. Hold on to the receipts. And then a few years down the line when Jalen Green is a perennial multi-time all-star, when he's leading the NBA in scoring, uh, when he is fulfilling what I think you know his maximum potential is going to be and can be at the NBA level, just circle back and have fun, you know, recycling the receipts and sharing. Hey, remember when nobody believed in Jalen green and, and when he had, you know, all these, all these doubters and people who didn't think that he was going to be able to achieve at the highest level. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I suggest you do too, because it's not worth the energy or the hassle trying to debunk some of these claims, at least at this point. Sorry. I had to get all that off my chest. Ali Khan. No, I, I, I think there's this collective frustration um, from Rockets fans. that has been boiling, not just, today not just yesterday last week last season it's the frustration that they don't feel like their team is respected and they don't feel like they're covered properly and there's there's examples that rockets fans will bring up on various outlets about why they feel that to to be the case um and i think jackson you're trying your best to be a voice of reason for them 
and and explain kind of what's going on and, and just how to be able to handle um, the conversations that are being had. You know, it, it's it's important. It's important whenever you are doing, you know, whenever you're talking about players, coaches, whatever, right? You know, national, local, we got to do all of us collectively, right? People who have a platform to speak, we got to do a good job of making sure that we're doing our proper research, we're, we're able to talk, we're able to ask questions, you know, Jackson, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm always quick to tell you if I don't know a topic enough for us to talk about on the show, then you know simply we wait till the following week or we do some more research or we ask questions, right? Um, and this is not this is not a comment to what happened today or yesterday or um, recently, right? We're talking about we're locked on NBA. I'm just referring this to overall to our listeners that you know as you all when when you're researching your favorite basketball team. Or even us in this position where we have a platform to speak about the Rockets or other teams and other players as well. We have to do a good job of making sure we're, we're reading information, we're comprehending it, we're digesting it, and then putting it out there for you to be able to hear and take in. And I think that that's just something that I want to say is that that's something that I strive to do. I know that's something that Jackson strives to do. I know that's a lot of media that they strive to do that. And so we have to make sure that we always remind ourselves of what we're striving to be able to do is making sure that we're informing better educating and helping the audience better enjoy um, the sport that we all love. And I, I, it is important to note before we move on to the other topics that we have lined up for this show. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we, we all strive to do our best and maybe it was, a, you know, a, a take that was maybe a bit more uninformed, uh, you know, a, you know, maybe a little bit off base here and there, whatever direction, however you want to paint it. Um, but I do think it's important to note that there was more context to that conversation, more than just the, you know, 70 second, 80 second soundbite that, you know, started circulating on Twitter. And even, you know, again, this this garnered enough attention and quickly enough that even Jalen Green went out on Twitter and, you know, decided to air his frustrations about, uh, you know, the kind of this perception that seem, seemingly has, you know, kind of followed him. And again, all I can say is that I, I, I've watched Jalen Green play enough basketball to know that. You know, he wants to win at the highest level. He has an insane work ethic. He cares a great deal about his teammates. He cares a great deal about wanting to win. Um, and this negative perception of him as a player, you know, of selfishness, of whatever, of not getting his teammates involved, it doesn't exist. It, it, it's not real. Um, yeah. And the idea that, you know, he may one day be coming off the bench because he's, you know, because all he does is get buckets right now. Like, again, that's that's what he is. He is a shooting guard. It is literally in his job title to go get buckets. And he does that at an elite level. And hopefully he continues to do that at an elite level and kind of get rid of some of the negative perceptions surrounding him and also subsequently surrounding the Houston Rockets. And, and um, here's, here's the thing. One last point, Jackson, for me. When we're talking about Jalen overall, okay? Jalen, we, we know how good he is scoring-wise, and he's improved. I mean, if you're watching the last three preseason games, right, just watch how well he's dribbling the basketball, how tighter his handle is, how he's maneuvering around screens and space. He's trying to become a three-level scorer. That's one of his goals, one of his objectives as a for the team. And then when you're looking at him defensively, he, had, he, he started off poorly. I think it's safe to say he started off poorly last season. He struggled um, trying to figure out how to be able to play against, you know, NBA body types and NBA offensive schemes. And now then he then towards the end of last season, there was an upward trend. And you can look at that from a statistical perspective. You can look at that from a film perspective. He played better. And I think you're seeing that a little bit now. There are moments. He's a second-year player. There are moments. It's not good. There are moments where it's like, man, this kid has something, something that if he can put together, he can go from there. Jalen Green is still an unknown. 
But I think what one thing that is known about Jalen Green is that his ceiling is so exponentially high that I think the sky's the limit for him. And you can't blame Rockets fans for being as excited as they are about his potential and what they're seeing now and the opportunities for him to be able to go there. I don't think we can label him anything right now. I think right now we just have to be able to focus on his development and his growth and just enjoy the journey for what he's about to start in Milwaukee. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Coming up, we're going to talk about some of the you know possible issues maybe facing this Houston Rockets team, how they're trying to cultivate their new offensive identity with the four out one in scheme and how those things are looking so far for Jalen Green, for Kevin Porter Jr. And, and namely Alper and Shingun, who's kind of the, you know, a, a very important piece of what the Rockets are trying to achieve offensively. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. Next game, I'm taking Jalen Green to score more than 21.5 points. I'll take, uh, we'll, we'll say Tari Eason to grab down more than 8.5 rebounds. How about Kevin Porter Jr. to have more than 7.5 assists? And hopefully with Jabari Smith Jr. returning to the lineup, maybe, we'll see, against the uh, Indiana Pacers, I would have him, let's say, more than, uh, we'll say more than 3.5 three-pointers made. So, how does prize picks work, right? What is prize picks? Basically, you pick two to five players, and if they go over their projections, uh, you know, be it points, rebounds, assists, what have you, you can win up to 10 times back on any entry that you select. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on every single sport that you consume. That includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, you name it. They've got it over at prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that simple and easy. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. So don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Alicon, kind of one of the, to me, I think even a bigger storyline potentially than Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and their offensive success against the Miami Heat was the lack of success from Alperin Shingun, who had one of, if not potentially his worst game as a Houston Rocket. And again, the big question in my mind and, and a lot of other people's is I, I don't necessarily think that his inability to produce in this game was his fault. It really felt like the Rockets got away from largely what led to a lot of his success in the first preseason game. Obviously, he missed the second game against the Toronto Raptors, so we have a very small sample size to draw from, but it really felt like in this game... They just, they iced him out offensively. It felt like he didn't really get the ball in spots to play his game. It felt like they basically just utilized him as a screen and roll big, which is not his like skill set. That's not what he's good at as a player on the floor. And at that point, if you're not going to utilize LP for him or in ways for him to be successful, if you're not going to utilize his passing, if you're not going to utilize his ability to post up and, you know, kind of suck in a defense that way, then you're better off serve just putting somebody else in that role like Bruno or Garuba because Alpi's not giving you a lot of production defensively. That's not where he's able to hang his hat as a player. His best skill is his passing and his playmaking and his vision and his ability to create for others. And it felt like they just completely got away from what makes him a special player in the game against the Miami Heat. You know, there was a possession I want to highlight. I think it was either 11-04, 10-04, 10-08. It was somewhere in the first two minutes of the game. You can go back and watch it. Um, so Shangun didn't get the rebound, but there was a, there was gang rebounding going on. It was around a group of four of them. 
um, uh, collapsing and getting the rebound, right? And so Shingu held box out, didn't get it, but since he didn't get the basketball, it was hitting Jalen or Jayshon. Al P just ran. He ran down the middle of the court. He tried to, you know, put some pressure on the defense. First thing he does, Deadman picks him up. So first thing he does is try to establish post position. So he sprinted, attempted to post up. Deadman then pushed him away from the paint. So then when that happened, Jalen was like, okay. Jalen was setting him up. He was about to throw that bounce pass to Shangun on the left block to be able to get him some space to operate. And everybody was lined up around the perimeter. But when Deadman pushed him out of the paint and he didn't have good position, Jalen kept the ball, went back towards the middle. That's when Shangun then dropped and went back towards the dunker spot. And then what happened was Jalen and Jayshon initiated a dribble handoff. Jalen, obviously, this quick first step we talk about all the time. Defenses will always slide over or step up. Because Al P was at the dunker spot, he got the basket. Um, he, got, he got the ball on the pass, um, went for a layup. But if he didn't want to, if that second um, help defender from the corner had crashed in, Al P had a wide open pass. And knowing Al P, he can make the pass anywhere he wants. I'm bringing this play up, Jackson, because right now, when you have Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green getting the, getting the basketball going in transition and pushing the pace, those are the types of plays that Al P needs to be able to be effective in. It's not pick and roll per se. It's just him playing off of two of their premier guards, right? Now, and the way I want to describe this to, to our listeners is that just imagine Alperin Shangun as an offensive hub. We talked about this last week on our show. Imagine as an offensive hub, but more of a hub when he is playing not in transition versus playing in the half court. When they're in transition, they're trying to put pressure. So Alpi is not just going to be Alpi. He's not going to be that, oh, this is the main guy, facilitator, ball mover, all that thing. He's going to be a part of that five the player on the court trying to get and put pressure on the defense. But when the initial transition play or action is taken away, that's where Alpi can shine. He gets the ball. And he's touching. If you go at Synergy, for those who have access, you'll see Alpi doesn't really have a lot of plays, play types that are designated to him as if he was the main person in that play. But if you watch the entire possession, each game, you watch the possession, Alpi always touches the ball or he's always in ball. I think that's where the struggle is happening right now, where there's a conversation between we need Alpi to be a pick and roll player, but oh, we also need Alpi to do what he does and get the ball have the ball, keep the offense a little static, and let him be able to find cutters or be able to score, okay? Based off of synergy, he's only had two post-up attempts. So two shot attempts out of post-ups out of three preseason games. But he's still, if you go back and watch the film, he's had a lot more than that because he's touching the ball and he's helping him move around. He's spending a lot of time in dribble handoff positions or positions where he's screening and rolling or in the, where that four is popping. So in this case, if Jabari was playing, Shangun is rolling, Jabari is popping, that puts more of a disadvantage to the defense because Jabari is a great shooter. Alpi is a great finisher inside. And, and you have to have a conversation about who you're going to be able to defend and go from there. But Jackson, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I have a quote from our friend Jonathan Fagan, who got a quote from John Lucas um, after the game yesterday about this, this conversation. But before I get into that, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, how, how do you think Alpi is, you know, playing when, Jalen and KPJ, especially like last night, have it going offensively. Well, so that's that's where I think the issue kind of stems from is it, it felt like very much in that game against the Spurs, the it, the offensive identity was still very much, okay, Jalen and 
KPJ are the are the number one and two options. And everything offensively still felt like it was geared towards trying to create opportunities for them. But in that game against the Spurs, neither one of them really had it going offensively. And so it felt like there were a lot of possessions where, okay, the first, you know, eight to 10 or so seconds of the shot clock is, all right, you know, high pick and roll, screen, whatever. Let's try and get KPJ, you know, get him going downhill or get Jalen going downhill. Get them operating in the pick and roll. If something's there, great. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to drive. They're going to attack. And if nothing materializes, if the defense kind of cuts it off, if they can't find a favorable driving lane, whatever, cool. LP is ready for you to feed him the basketball. And it felt like there were a lot of possessions like that in that game that started with Jalen or KPJ handling the ball, trying to create something, you know, get something going in the half court, and then nothing would materialize. So then they would dump it low to LP or get him in, you know, get LP the rock at the high post, whatever, four out spacing around him. And then he would just go to work. It felt like, the kind of polar opposite in this game against Miami Heat where Jalen and KPJ very much had it going. And because they had it going, they started ignoring LP completely. And that, and I'm not just talking about the transition play. I'm talking about in the half court. It felt like LP got very few touches in the half court, if any at all, where he would screen and they would try to open something up. But again, his involvement in the offense was minimal to non-existent in this game. And I think that's the issue is balancing those two identities, right? Balancing the fact that if KPJ and Jalen are having a good game, how do you also still incorporate LP to where he doesn't feel like an afterthought in the offense? Because that's what he felt like in this game is he felt like an afterthought in the offense. I know he was setting good quality screens. He was still involved, but we didn't get to see him have his usual touches until like super late in the game, like, third quarter I think top of the fourth maybe where he was he got a couple touches here and there around the rim and by then he was so out of sorts offensively he hadn't been involved you know to his usual level in the offense that he just couldn't get anything to materialize finished one of five shooting just two points I'm going to read a quote the quote I was referring to earlier Jackson just we'll talk about what our thoughts are from there this is from John Lucas we're asking Al P to do something that he hasn't done before right now basically he's a role guy and what we're doing, and we don't go through them. You can't expect a 20-year-old to be happy about that. We have to find a common ground for him to get the most out of him, and I think we can do that. And he later on says, I'm spending more time with him to help him be successful. It's not set up for him to be a primary scorer right now. I think it's the truth, and I think yesterday was a great example of that in terms of visualizing what John Lucas was talking about. But I'm optimistic. I think it can work. If we look at the Spurs game, if we look at yesterday's game, it's only two games where Alp has played. Two games where he's played with Jalen and KPJ. It's going to take them time to get into a rhythm, get into a routine. It's going to get them. It's going to take some time to truly understand the benefits of four out, one in. Okay, I'll give you an example of that. So there is this conversation that. Well, when LP is not rolling, he's on the perimeter. Yeah, that happens. But that's also that's because Jay Sean yesterday had possessions where Jay Sean Tate was in the dunker spot playing when he was playing the four. Then what LP was doing, LP was then involved instead of Jay Sean being the roller. LP was involved as a roller and had the ball in his hands and was facilitating. So I think it's a good thing that LP is able to play in those situations because then LP can get the ball on the short roll and have easier have an easier time establishing position. I'm, I was referring to that initial play at the top of the segment on purpose where LP ran, sprinted, couldn't establish position against Deadman, and instead went to the dunker spot, right? But if he's on the roll and the defender that big is in the paint, 
and trying to take away the paint from Jalen, and Alpi can find himself a spot on the floor, he can get into a position where he can, you know, back him down, or maybe not back him down, but get into a position where he can just use this array of hesitation moves or pump fakes and dribbles and get around the rim and use the bank to score off the glass, right? So I think there are positives. There are ways to look at this. And I think the biggest key to me is going to be when Jalen has it going in transition, like he did yesterday. When KP, Because, by the way, the Rockets are one of the best transition teams right now offensively in the league, just preseason. So when Jalen has it going, KPJ has it going, and you're scoring as much as transition, what do you do to establish a rhythm for Alperin Shangun? Jackson, you and I have talked about this, but I think we should, the next segment, we should kind of go into deeper about what the solutions could be. Absolutely. We're going to talk about how you can maximize Alperin Shingun as well as Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and the other you know pieces on this Houston Rockets roster. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, we kind of laid the framework there for some of the problems that are, are the, this Rockets team is facing by balancing three guys who are arguably at their best, not even arguably, they are at their best with the ball in their hands. And that's Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and Alperin Shingun. And I definitely think that the Miami Heat game was an example of, all right, Jalen, KPJ, they've got it going, but how do you then also still get Alperin Shingun the touches that he deserves and needs because he's shown, he has shown enough, I think. He's, he, there's enough evidence to be confident in what Alp can achieve when he does have the basketball in his hands, when he can play, you know, his game, quote-unquote. So, to me, Ali Khan, one of the most clear-cut ways to achieve that is if you do have Alp still in the starting lineup, and if you see a game where the pace is favoring Jalen and KPJ, where they're able to get out in transition, where they're able to pick apart a defense the way that they were against the Heat, then maybe it would be best served to have like an early substitution for Alp, where you pr- you put in a big who is able to kind of further do the things that you're trying to get Alp to do right, which is be a good you know be a good screening presence, be a screen and roll big, but you sub in a guy like Bruno. Right, who is who is that? That is his role. And so then you bring back LP later in the game when you do let Jalen and KPJ hit the bench for the first go around, right? You bring LP back and you let him coordinate and quarterback and run that second unit where everything is running through him, where he is that focal point, where he's getting those adequate touches similar to the role that we kind of saw him operate in last year where he was coming off the bench, but you kind of have to wait and judge and see how the game plan looks, right? Because against the Spurs, it worked out well. Al P got his touches. Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green were kind of struggling a little bit offensively. And so a lot more of the offense felt like it was flowing through Al P in that game. Whereas again, they were hot against the Heat. And you what, what you don't want to have happen is you don't want Al P to get iced out of the offense. And I think that is going to be the, I don't know, the 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 line that they're kind of towing as the season goes along is how do you balance those three guys and make sure that they can all three be at their best. And one of the other answers is to stagger Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. And we haven't seen that happen yet. So, uh, you know, I I don't know. How do you feel about the idea of Al P kind of running that second unit? Because I think it would have also alleviated some of the issues that we saw in that second unit against the Miami Heat because it felt like there was no clear direction with that second unit. It felt like they were distinctly lacking a playmaker to make things happen for that group that was on the floor. Yeah, especially with Dacia Nick's not playing, right? You don't really have a lead ball handler that you can 
trust to be able to consistently get you some possessions or half court looks. I'm I'm all in. I mean, I I spent that entire time for our listeners on podcast. I was just pointing at Jackson. I was like, "Go, man, go. You got this. You you speaking the truth because he's Jackson is right. You got to get Alperin Shingun going with that second unit. I think it's the best way to be able to maximize his ability to hold um ho- hold no control in the half court, play the way the Rockets want to play and allow yourselves a bench unit that can have def- plus defenders and solid shooters to play around Shingun. Because your starting lineup is going to have Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, both guys who will push the pace early in transition. You're probably going to have Jay Sean Tate as well. And we've heard from Steven Siles how he wants to pair Jay Sean and Alpi Moore together as well. So let's say Jabari is starting, Jay Sean is not. Then you then you also solve that problem of having Jay Sean and Alpi play together, right? Because then that puts the opposing five man in a bind. I am positive for multiple reasons. First and foremost, go back and watch the first play of the game. It was a play where Alpi set up a little down screen. Jalen was coming off of it. But the design itself is important there. Alpi set the screen, but then he was going to slip and establish position. Jalen just had a favorable matchup. You see what I mean? So I think the Rockets can and are showing that they can make it work, but it has to be more consistent. That consistency takes time. It's only the second preseason game that Alpi has played. It's the only second time where KPJ, Jalen, and Alpi have played together. You're still learning the lineups. You're still learning who's going to be in your rotation. I'm not pressing the panic button, but I think what Coach John Lucas was saying is right. They have to slowly get better at learning what that balance is going to be. I don't think it's an overreaction where you're saying that, oh, Alpi can't be successful here. I can. I think he can and he will be. The Rockets have implemented different sets into their offense out of four out and one in where Alpi will have the ball at different parts of the floor. High post and low post. You will see that as the season goes along. This is not something that's like Steven Siles did not think about. He knows how well Alpi can play, especially as a passer. He's going to use that. But I think it's also important to acknowledge the way KPJ and Jalen put pressure on the defense. That release valve is better suited for a vertical spacing threat. And so sometimes Alpi can get that dump off and he can do things. And and Alpi can go vertical too if he needs to. But I think with Jackson, what you're saying is right. It's it's an optimal situation where you can play Alp, then bring him in where he can take over and have a vertical spacing threat for Jalen and KPJ to be able to dump off to. And we've seen that. You saw that so much in the Miami game, not just to Bruno, but to KJ Martin, to Jayshon. KPJ did an excellent job of you know maneuvering, using his pace, playing at his speed, and getting the ball without touching the floor. When you throw a bounce pass in the in the paint area, sometimes it can, it's not going to get into the hands. It's going to be a turnover. But if you go back and watch, you know, people have posted these clips. Go on YouTube. Go on Twitter. Watch the clips of KPJ throwing these passes. It's getting into the hands of these guys who can go up and throw them a lob or can dunk it down with a dunk. And so what I'm trying to say is you can do both. You can have an optimal situation for your ball handlers and LP. I just think it's going to take a little time for this coaching staff to be able to see based off their rotation, who is good in what situation, how many minutes and things like that. Guys, our locked on amazing listeners. It's only two preseason games where Alper and Shingun has played. Let's relax. Let's give it some more time. I promise you in two weeks, I, I'm not, I don't like being that. I told you so guy. I really don't, but in two weeks, I will probably come on here and tell you, I told you so about the fact that we're seeing Alper and Shangun have specific plays designed for him in the offense, because I've personally seen it already. 
Ali Khan, I told you so, Bajani, his new nickname for the show. Um, no, and I think, to the other variable that is missing in all of this, right, is Jabari Smith Jr. You mentioned it and alluded to it a little bit earlier on in the show, but his absence is... It definitely hurts the Rockets on both ends of the floor, right? They don't get the defensive looks. They don't get to see just how well he kind of kind of covers some things for for the Rockets defense when he's on the floor. And then offensively, his ability to space the floor, his ability to pick and pop, his ability to move without the basketball. I mean, we saw Alper and Shagood find him twice in the Spurs game for easy bu- easy buckets in the paint, right? It wasn't even he was finding him for threes out on the perimeter, which is what I thought was going to be a big part of the Rockets offense. It's just, oh, well, Jabari's going to space the floor. He's going to be a, a, a lethal three-point threat. Alper's going to be able to get to some of his actions get to some of his spots on the floor on the interior offensively and be able to kick it out to these guys, kick it out to KPJ, kick it out to Jabari, kick it out to EG, whatever. We haven't quite seen that version of this team yet because Eric Gordon has been missing back-to-back games now. Jabari's been missing back-to-back games now. We're optimistic that he's going to be able to play, and Coach Lucas was optimistic that he'll be good to go and be able to play the final preseason game against the Pacers, and hopefully we'll get a better look again at to what at what that front court looks like because we were all really excited about what things looked like after that Spurs game with those two guys sharing a healthy amount of minutes on the floor with one another. So that's an important thing to consider, too, when, you, when you're when you looking at kind of the domino effect of some of the struggles the second unit was facing, and you're missing guys like Dacia Nix, you're missing guys like Eric Gordon and Jabari Smith Jr., who would be in the starting lineup, and then because those guys are missing out of the starting lineup, you're you're injecting guys like KJ Martin, like Jay Shantae, who have played well in the preseason into the starting lineup. Hopefully everything works out well with Jay Shantae. Hopefully the ankle sprain is nothing serious um, or the ankle soreness, I think is what they actually officially listed it as. Um, but right, Jay Shantae is another guy who can move the basketball and who can get guys involved in that second unit. And it really felt like when Ty Ty Washington was checked in there, it was almost like deer in headlights a little bit where he was the only realistically the only primary creator for that second unit against the Miami Heat, and it caused a lot of issues, right? Not having multiple guys on the floor who can create, who can facilitate for others, and having Alper and Shingun kind of shoulder a bit more of that secondary unit playmaking load could be the best answer to kind of address both things, right? Where Alpi gets his touches, he gets to do him and, you know, gets to be a focal point in the offense. But he also features everybody else because Alpi's at his best when he's creating for others. Alpi would walk away from a game with zero points and 12 assists and be happy about it because he is so adept at facilitating and creating and getting others involved. And he wasn't really afforded that opportunity in this most recent preseason game. And that's okay. They're working on figuring things out. And I think that's the important message that we want, that both of us want listeners to leave here with today is they are working through this. They're trying to figure out, they understand what they have with LP and how to make him successful. Yeah. I, I, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Um, I, I really just want Rockets fans to pay attention to, especially if LP and um, Jabari play together, how will they play off each other? The situations where LP's in the corner or in the, in the dunker spot or when Jabari is is in the corner of the dunker spot and Alpi has the ball. Alpi, if you go go back and watch the tape again from the Spurs game. All right. It may not have been the best defensive performance by San Antonio, but just the offensive principles that the Rockets ran with Jalen and KPJ and just kind of playing off of speedy guard play and then having Alpi go that balance between transition and half court and using Alpi to facilitate. Yeah, we didn't see that a lot, but I think it's it's a tugger pull that they're learning. Three of those guys who like to have the ball in their hands are going to learn from each other. In what situations can this guy help me be successful? And I think it'll all be fine. We just got to relax. Two games of LP only in the preseason. Three overall. We got a long way to go. 
But this offense, honestly, the four-out one-in offense, it looks good to me. There are a lot of really good principles. You're seeing the Rockets slowly learn. I think also a big takeaway is watch the positioning of this team when they're playing. When one guy leaves a dunker spot, another guy fills it in, right? So they're, they're, they're are, they are maintaining their spacing, which is a big principle. They got to cut down the turnovers. They got to they gotta cut that down big time. That's a big problem. But you're seeing the thinking happen. You're seeing it go from thinking to slowly just easy reads and react. And if that can go and that can be your 4 out one in offense, then you are set. Yeah, the, the spacing was such a focal point throughout training camp and throughout, you know, this early part of preseason. Obviously, the Rockets, you know, taping up the court uh, just all over the place, trying to make sure guys understand where to be, how to be, how to rotate, um, what spots to fill. Steven Silas spoke at length about that kind of understanding, you know, where certain guys need to be depending on how the previous possession ends, right? If it's, you know, if you're if you're getting out in transition off of like a missed three, then be here. If you're getting out in transition off of an isolation play, be here, trying to, you know, understand where guys need to be, how they fill their spots offensively and it does you know bode well that these guys have been able to at least kind of adhere to some of those principles especially in the absence of Steven Silas right hopefully he'll be back with the team soon um, there was optimism that he'd be able to rejoin the team in Miami it didn't look to be the case so hopefully he'll be back hopefully we'll hear from him at Rockets practice uh, Wednesday afternoon it'd be great to see Steven Silas's smiling face again find out what he's been working on you know working on what he's been up to uh, you know while he's been you know sidelined due to health and safety protocols I'm excited to see him back with the team but that's going to do it for today's episode. Alicon, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. Follow us at Locked on Rockets. We got, a, we got a surprise coming, man. Just wait till the regular season starts. We got a surprise coming for all of you Locked on Rockets listeners. Um, just make sure you're following us on social media so you can see what that surprise is. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube, so just go to YouTube, search Locked On Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. That, as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.